0: Today, we're recapping what turned out to be a pretty good weekend for Oregon State sports. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Beaver Man Beat Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back after a brief hiatus caused by what was a crazy snowstorm here in the Portland metro area. Had to take a day off there, you know, feeling the effects of having, hanging out at the bar for probably a little bit too long, And uh, but we're back. I wanted to wait and get all this action of the weekend under our belts before we came here and talked about it. Really made sure we had a good idea of what was going to take place over the course of the weekend. And I think for the most part, it played out exactly how we thought it would, starting with basketball hosting the Ducks on a Saturday night in Gill Coliseum. There's not many things in life that are better than that. Uh, in a packed crowd, it looked like um, I had tickets for the game. It was supposed to be down there. ended up having to work, so I, I, I handed them off and made sure that my seat was filled And um, what really was a tremendous game, and unfortunately things just didn't fall the right way towards the end of the line there. Uh, I ended up watching it on my phone from the 300 level behind the stage at the Bruce Springsteen concert uh, so a little conflict of interest there I was watching two things at once uh, looking at the numbers on the game though really nothing that jumps out except for the low number of turnovers committed by both teams eight by the beavers six by the ducks uh, so a pretty clean game in that regard shooting wise Oregon State had the nod 45 46 percent versus Oregon's 30 or I'm sorry 40 percent and pretty, pretty even from beyond the arc. Have uh, a pretty tight game all the way back and forth. Oregon got out to that brief big lead there. I think it got up to about 13 coming out of the halftime break. Oregon State climbed right back into it and, and made things tight. They held a late lead for a majority of those last couple inning, er, innings. Sorry, I'm watching the Mariners game. Uh, the last couple minutes there down the stretch. And... Uh, Unfortunately, that's that uh, those last two possessions, Oregon got their shot to fall, whereas the Beavers couldn't quite get theirs to fall. Uh, leader for the Beavers uh, was Dexter Ocano, who's kind of had an up and down year. He's seen time off the bench, he's seen time in the starting lineup, which most Beavers have. Uh, but overall, a really nice game from him. He shot five for eight from the field with a, a 17 points total. Uh, Jordan Pope, a bit of a quieter game. Two for eight from the field, eight points, um, and Rodrigo Andela had a big, big performance off the bench, dropping ten. Uh, kind of reminds me of a capacity in which, I mean, he was coming off the bench, but Roman Silva in that elite eight run, how he really just kind of turned things up a notch and got things rolling there. What this tells me about the team here is that they're right there. You knew that this game. I mean, it's a rivalry. You know what they say. Uh, when it comes to rivalry games, you can throw out the record books, and that's exactly what the case was here, as is most of the time that these two teams collide, whether that be on the gridiron or the hardwood. Uh, Oregon State showed a lot of resiliency fighting back in this game. Um, and what I heard was an electric crowd down in the Cathedral of Basketball in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Gill Coliseum, so it gives me, uh, it's a bright spot to look at, I think, going forward um, into the offseason, and especially into next season uh, just such a young team and I think a, a huge spot on this team is going to just be to see what happens over the course of the offseason if you have uh, some of these more productive players jump ship and head for the transfer portal whether that be NIL or looking for a, a relocation just geography and lineup and chemistry wise whatever it may be, it's, it's going to be Wayne Tinkle and staff's job this offseason to keep these guys around And if you can keep these guys around and you can kind of change up the landscape and be uh, kind of a beacon of light through what has been really, you know, one year in and head off to the draft or one year in transfer. Uh, You really haven't seen many schools building programs uh, at all in the last decade or so. So if Oregon State has the opportunity to do that, they're going to need to capitalize on that. They tried the transfer portal. And, uh, I mean, that just didn't work last season with one of the worst seasons in the last Long, long time for the beefs. Uh, A lot of talk was thrown about with the student attendance record being set. Um, Some comparisons were being made to the years of the Orange Express. And um, while i got to say I was not alive, I wasn't near alive, uh, what I would give to live one day in that time period and be inside Gill Coliseum. There was a beat writer on Twitter that said that it was more electric than McHale which is where the Arizona plays, which if you, know, if you follow college hoops or anything of that sort, McHale is a fortress, uh, maybe tougher to play than the kennel up there in Spokane. Gill um, Coliseum, when it's loud and when it's rocking, there, there truly is nothing like it. Um, and I'm really, really envious of getting back to that, and I'm hoping that Wayne can take us there. I do think he is the right guy to take us there for now. But I think, uh, funny enough, I think this offseason is going to be what tells us what we need to know about Wing Tinkle, the future of his career here at Oregon State, and the future of this Oregon State basketball program. Looking forward to this coming week. Thursday, host Stanford. Saturday, host Cal. Pack your bags and head down to Vegas. Uh, I, I'd like to see them sweep that home series and finish the season on a strong note I know Wayne is going to have him fired up and ready to go it's a very winnable series those two schools coming down to you um, you split that series on the road and the Stanford game really wasn't even close Cal is one of the worst teams in college basketball and I'd reach out on a limb and say they are the worst team in the power 5 ranks for college basketball um, and Stanford is pretty even keeled with the Beavers I would say uh, 6 p.m. tip on Thursday and a 5 o'clock tip on Saturday down in Gill. Um, like I mentioned, the Sickos Committee for College Basketball, if you guys have nothing to do Saturday, get out there. I can't imagine it's going to be a big crowd Saturday night against Cal, Senior Day. i uh, not sure how many seniors are on this roster. I'll give it a quick look. Uh, Rodrigo Della is the only one, and Dimitri Riuni, but uh, I'm wondering if he has another year of eligibility given this his first year here um, at Oregon State and it does not look like it Um, so we'll be celebrating those two heading off um, to wherever they may fall after their time here at Oregon State but um, show up if you can and it's going to be the last time that those bees play here in Gill until next November Um, so get there and show out for them if you can Flip in the script and jump into a more positive side of the weekend. And we're going to talk a little bit of baseball here. Um, as expected, I think, with the schedule, it was this weekend with a three game series with Coppin State. We expected a three game sweep, and that's exactly what we got. Something that I did not know about this Coppin State team and poor reporting on poor podcasting on my side because I didn't even intend to look it up or care to look it up. This team made the NCAA tournament last season. Uh, they won their conference tournament, so it was not an automatic bid. Um, and then they did get the two in the queue uh, with losses to Eastern Carolina and Coastal Carolina. But uh, I heard that on the first broadcast of the day and was kind of taken back by it. Uh, so I had to go back and check that just now. And sure enough, they did make the tournament last year. Close game to Coastal Carolina, only lost by two. Um, but I think that's going to be a positive sign for this Oregon State team that if you can take a tournament team and beat them, by a combined what 45 runs, let's see 11 on day one, 16 on day two or at 27, and then rounded out with 19. So 46 runs um, in three days is a pretty pretty good number to put up against a team that was playing meaningful postseason baseball last season, whether well, that be their conference tournament and then also into the NCAA regionals. Uh, and I think it all started this weekend with the bats. Uh, the bats, or something that jumped off the page to me as just as I was watching live stats roll in. And, and then after I went back and I'm looking now at physical box scores, uh, things are really jumping up there for me. Game one, Gavin Turley, what a game. Two for two, two walks, two RBIs, uh, and he added on a home run in this game. I think I said in the very first episode of this podcast, the preview on the Oregon State baseball season, that He's got the potential to put up a Travis Bizana type freshman season, but I also noted that that's highly unlikely due to just how insane Bizana's freshman season was. Uh, I take that back. Uh, he genuinely is on a path to put up a same style of season. Um, early stats for him right now he's batting 417 with a 1404 OPS, uh, which is on base plus slugging. For my non baseball nerds out there, Uh, Numbers jump off the page. He's out. He's got nine walks to six strikeouts, and uh, he's even swiped a bag this year. So he's doing a little bit of everything. He leads the team in home runs, which as a true freshman with studs like Garrett Forrester and uh, Tanner Smith on this roster, it's really impressive. And uh, just to see the way he's doing it, Kyle is also showing a little bit of pop. I talked about him being my breakout performer in episode one. Uh, The average is still a little bit lower there at 211. He's rounding out the bottom of the order. Uh, But if you're getting two home runs through six games from your—seven games from your nine-hole hitter, uh, that's something that I'd absolutely take as well. Uh, Going on to the other side of the uh, Oregon State team on game one, Trent Sellers got his second start and his first career start at Goss Stadium, and he surely did not disappoint Five and a third, four hits, no earned, no runs crossed, two walks, and a whopping 12 strikeouts. 12 punches through 16 outs recorded. Uh, the number of pitches is going to be a little bit higher when you're having to strike out that many batters right, threw 92 pitches, uh, which is ultimately the reason his stint kind of came to an end. Um, but really, a, an impressive, impressive outing. In this post-game interview, they asked him what was working, and I think he said that he threw, of the 92 pitches, I think he said 87 of them were fastballs. I think he said that only five pitches were um, true breaking balls or true off-speed pitches, which is just an incredible thing to do. That means the placement on those fastballs was perfect. He joked. He said he's thankful that Coppin State was not a very good fastball-hitting program, which is always going to help with things of that sort. But uh, coming in after that, I mean, it, it was truly some of the stuff that he had was, was more dominant than others. Um, he threw the five and a third, 12 strikeouts, and the rest of the three and two-thirds innings pitched, only two strikeouts were recorded. Um, so Trent Sellers really had stuff going on, and he was really working well on Friday night uh, in a really, really frigid and cold Corvallis. Um, Aiden Jimenez came in on one two-thirds, and two-thirds. He held it perfectly. Two hits, but nothing else across there. Victor Quinn came on, struggled a little bit with walking three. And that is where the only run of the game came across for Coppin State, and Brandon Boysford came on to finish that last inning and uh, really settled things down for the Beeves as they claimed a huge home opener win, 11 1 on just eight hits. Um, I mentioned a couple episodes ago that walks are a huge part of this team, and if you can get them on and get them over and get them in, this will be a very, very successful team, and they did just that walking 13 times in one game, uh, and that is not the first time they've walked that amount of times this season. Um, so the plate discipline is really on another level for this Oregon State team as they get rolling into uh, one more little conference or non-conference weekend, tune-up against Cal Poly, um, and then Washington State will be rolling into town, who we will talk more about later. But moving on to Game 2, Jacob Kamatz got the ball on the bump for the Beeves. A little bit of a warmer start for the Beavs. Uh They did bump the first pitch, Uh, up a little bit for this game I believe due to weather Uh, 43 at first pitch and a 16-0 dominating shutout uh, by the Beavs here Um, only 4 hits conceded to the Coppin State team Um, Kamatz went 6 strong, 3 hits 5 strikeouts, no walks Uh, he also ended the day at 92 pitches Um, and then the 3 guys that came in after him, A.J. Hutchison just a solid outing, just a walk through an inning, and then Nelson Kelho came on a Another preseason kind of watch player of mine was Nelson Calho, the one of the three lefties on the squad, a true freshman. Uh, he came on, struck out the side on just 14 pitches, handed things over to Justin Thorstenson, and he finished it off throwing the ninth inning, and he struck out two on his way to the uh, the conclusion of this game here. Just another big game by the Beeves all around. 13 walks in Game 1. How about 17 of them in Game 2 on top of 14 hits? Uh, that is going to generate some runs, and 16 runs was was what they tallied up, and uh, really, really an, an impressive outing for the beeves And doing all of this while it is hovering at high 30s, low 40s um, on the temperature, Gavin Turley goes uh, yard in this game again. Um, he's really displaying an impressive amount of power that uh, kind of surprised me a little bit. I expected him to drive the ball all over the park. I didn't expect him to drive the ball so much out of the park. I believe this is the home run that, that cleared the parking lot in left field, which if you're familiar with with Goss Stadium, which I'm sure most of you are if you're tuning in today, uh, that is a bomb of a ball to left field. Uh, to not even just clear the bullpen out there, but to also clear that parking lot and then into the trees. Um, and probably bouncing up rattling off of McAlexander uh, Fieldhouse out there what a what a shot uh, by the true freshman uh, he's going to be a player that I think we're going to need to watch out for this year him, Travis Pizana Garrett Forrester, this offense is really coming together and much quicker than I think a lot of people anticipated Micah McDowell had a huge day on Saturday, 5 for 6 with a walk, 4 RBIs and uh throw in a double in there as well. He swiped a bag, Uh, really doing quite a bit for this team as he was a little absent down in Arizona. I think he caught action in the last game of that series, Uh, but I think he played all three up here in Corvallis. Uh, So he's really cementing himself as an outfielder for this program that was going to be in the starting lineup, uh, which is good for to see because he has been in this program a couple years now. He's showing spurts here and there, but really starting to put things together here in the 2023 Kamehane. get a dust up on the coffee there before we get into Sunday's matchup. Beavers were going for the sweep, <clears throat> and for the first time in this, uh, the season against Coppin State, they faced a deficit uh, coming out of the third inning. Uh, A.J. Lattery got the start. Uh, yeah, after the top half of the third, they trailed 3-1, quickly changed things around uh, with a two RBI single from Jacob Krieg. And then he also tacked more runs on in the fourth with another single to the left side for an RBI. And the Beeves did not look back from there. They jumped from 4-3 to three to 7-3 to three, um, and eventually finished this one off 19-5 It's a bit of an explosion in the eighth inning, pushing seven runs across to really solidify things here. Another big game for the Beavs on the base path, seven walks. A lower number of the weekend, but still you can see that did not affect the amount of runs scored. Uh, look through the middle of this order, Garrett Forster, Jake Creed, Mikey Kane, and Mason Guerra all had three hits, and I believe all of those guys had an extra base hit at that. Uh, the home runs, balls were shooting over the fence left and right here. Brady Casper, first of the season. Mikey Kane had his first of the season, and Garrett and Forster and Tanner Smith both had their seconds of the season. Uh, on the base pass, they were running all over the place. Bazonic, Turley, and Cannon Reader all swiped a bag. Um, And the Beavers played a really, really clean, complete series against Coppin State, which was expected. But as you see in baseball, just this past weekend, uh, the Portland Pilots went down and took two from the number five team in the country. Um, So anything can happen here, even if you're expected to to win these games, if you're a better team, you still have to go out there and prove it. And that's exactly what the Beavers did this weekend. Turning the ball over to Jaron Hunter uh, for the start, he went four and two-thirds, uh, got tagged up a little bit, giving up five hits, five runs, all earned. A couple walks and then the five strikeouts. Uh, he handed the ball over then to A.J. Lattery, who's been nothing but impressive in the first seven games of the season here. He punched out four. Uh, actually, all four outs he recorded were by the strikeout. He went one and a third. Ian Lawson took over for a couple innings there, striking out two before All-American closer Ryan Brown really shut the door at the back end of this one and completed a really clean three-game sweep of the Coppin State Eagles. Oregon State now stands at 6-1, and one, and they head down for a four-game road trip starting Thursday uh, against Cal Poly, the Mustangs. Uh, so it'll be a, a nice series here. I think another one where you are the more talented team, but going on the road and winning four straight is no easy task, uh, especially against a program that... It, you, they're competitive year in and year out. Uh, so far on the season, they are sitting at two and four. Two of those losses coming to a familiar Pac-12 opponent, uh, the Cal Golden Bears. Um, and this is when they'll host Oregon State for four. Uh, they did take a series against Missouri State. Um, they were up against San Jose State before the game was suspended. Um, so tack on another win there. So essentially a three and four ball club, hovering around five hundred. This will be kind of a test for Oregon State to just make sure that everything's all right and and going smoothly before we break into conference play. I like how they've had this schedule set up. They'll welcome San Diego into town on Tuesday for a tune-up, and uh, Washington State will come in and begin Pac-12 play. Uh, So recapping Oregon State's statistics and their numbers through two weeks, uh, the offense is what jumped off the page for me, so I've got a couple things here for you. They've got a team-wide 354 batting average, a 1.06 OPS, which again is that on-base plus slugging uh, with those on-base at 484 and the slugging at 576. Uh, so if you're if your plate appearances, you're getting about half of your runners on base. Uh, that is something to not bat an eye at for sure. And then the walks to strikeout numbers uh, is a huge kind of talking point on this team. Right now, it's sitting at 59 walks and 56 strikeouts. And I wanted to take that first game out, that one lone loss to New Mexico. Um, if you take that game out, you're down to 43 strikeouts. That was a 13 strikeout game by the Beavis. Um, But it's only fair to take away the walks, which only takes away one. Uh, so without that first game there, you're looking at a 58 walk to 43 strikeout team-wide, um, which is really, really incredible. Um, so that that is going to be the thing to look forward to with the Beeves going forward as they kind of get into Pac-12 conference play and really start to write the ship on this season and see where it's going to head. And the last thing I wanted to touch on as a weekend recap was the amount of home runs really jumped out to me, especially with playing your first three games uh, in February in Corvallis. Normally, uh, the Beavs will stay down in Surprise, Arizona for a second weekend and play a couple games, another series down there. Uh, so in the 2023 season with three games up here in Corvallis, uh, the Beavs have hit 11 home runs so far so 11 home runs in just those seven games and I was like okay uh, that's a, a really good number but I was thinking let's take a look back at some of the teams um, of the past that have done really well and that have played those games in surprise. So I looked back at last year's season who entered the tournament uh, in the tw- uh, three seed nationally and the regional. And through the first uh, seven games there, they only had five long balls, and all of those games were played in the warmer weather in Surprise, Arizona. And then going back to the National Championship squad of 2018, they had seven home runs in their first eight games. Um, They played two four-game weekends in 2018, all in Surprise, Arizona, and only rattled off seven home runs. Uh, So this team's got a lot of pop, a lot of power, and in the cold temperatures of Corvallis, which... My seventh grade science experiment proved uh, the colder that a baseball is, the less likely it is to uh, to travel. Uh, so as we start to get into those warmer months, uh, and hopefully things start to warm up, and with those big road trips down to California schools, Arizona schools, hopefully that that's a power surge we see from this beaver offense. So finishing off here, today's episode after looking at the weekend behind us for Oregon State. Uh, we will do another preview coming out Thursday. Um, I wanted to go ahead and release what will become a weekly thing, and it's going to be the Pac-12 baseball power rankings. Um, there are only 11 teams in the Pac-12 for baseball. Colorado's the lone team not fueling its program. Uh, so I'm going to start from the bottom up, and the bottom was easy. Uh, finding a worst team in the Pac-12 to start was easy. Things really got congested um, in that 5 through 10 spot. Um, and I'm sure I'll create some stir here as we look ahead, but rounding out the Pac-12 at number 11 is going to be Utah. Uh, Utah's off to a 3-4 and four start. Usually always kind of down towards the bottom half of the Pac-12 standings. Um, I would probably put them at number 1 for field beauty. They've got an absolutely gorgeous field out there. Um, they took 3-4 from, or I'm sorry, they took 1-4 of four from the University of San Francisco to start the season. Uh, so starting off 1-3, and three, they got um, kind of blown out of the water by houston and then took one from incarnate word and one from i believe this is texas a&m community college or no texas a&m corpus christi Uh, so not really a win to write home about especially pulling that game out by one run Uh, not a bad program i think they will end up in last place here in the pac-12 when it's all said and done so that was kind of an easy one to put down there at the bottom And then coming off of that, and this is tough just because they're coming off of a tricky road series going down to an SEC school, Uh, I'm going to go with USC at the 10 spot, which for the Southern California school is certainly low um, by where their predictions probably were at. They started off the season with a three-game sweep of Marist, um, a really small college there, and they kind of handled their business there with some pretty dominating wins they then dropped a the game to UC Irvine at home by one they went on the road to Auburn dropped two and then tied in the last game just due to travel uh, they had to catch their flight back to the west coast and um, that game ended 12-12 to um, tough to say but with this one being like the lone tie of the Pac-12 weekend uh, I did bump them down based off that and kind of gave them the loss uh, just due to a home field thing unfair call it what you will um, I had to make a decision there, and that's what I went with. Um, number eight, also a bit of a surprise, and due to just tough early season scheduling, is going to be uh, the Wildcats um, of Arizona. I had to dump them down here. They just hosted uh, West Virginia, a Big 12 school, a Power 5 school, um, and I would have liked to see them take the series, if not sweep it. Uh, they actually dropped the series. They lost the first two and really fended off a sweep in dominant fashion. Uh, but to begin the season, just... Some okay, they beat Tennessee, which is a big win. But you can't follow up beating Tennessee by getting shut out by Fresno State, um, which that one was kind of a glaring a loss to me to not even just lose, but to be completely shut out. And then a win over Michigan State, which Big Ten baseball has big names, but they don't really have big programs. Um, they did squeeze out a win over San Diego uh, by one, finding themselves at four and three overall. Uh, With some impressive wins, but other than that, just kind of uh, a mediocre-ish start to the season, which is what has found them at eight. Jumping up to number seven, it is going to be the foes to the south. Uh, It'll be the Oregon Ducks. uh, Started off with a nice start to their season with an expected sweep of Xavier. I can't say that that's a very challenging series for them, and some of those games were closer than I think they should have been they won all four of those games with three of those coming by two runs or less. And then they got a clean three-game sweep while they were on their home turf at PK Park by UC Santa Barbara, which the Beavs dispatched 11-0 on a neutral field. So kind of a roller coaster season right now for the Ducks. High highs and really low lows getting swept at home and shut out in one of those games, scoring three runs total over the weekend. They host San Diego... Up this weekend before the uh, Toreros of San Diego come up and play the beeves so another side-by-side similar opponent to compare them to, but right now, coming off a three-game sweep on power rankings, that is going to drop you down a little bit. I have the uh, the Ducks down at seven. Jumping up above them, and currently at the top of the uh, Pac-12 standings, if you look at it on their website, it is Cal, who, while is off to a six-and-one start... Uh, Why I still only have them down here is they really haven't played anyone of note. Uh, They did beat Stanford, which is a a big win and a midweek game, a non-conference game, so that won't have any impacts on Pac-12 seedings as we get further in the season. They took two of three from Houston, beat Stanford, um, a one-run win over Cal Poly, a two-run win over UConn, and a four-run win over uh, Cal Poly again. So this is kind of where I was saying things really got tight. And it was tough to kind of rank these teams. So Cal did just kind of sneak in here. These could all be 4A through D. Um, It's really tricky to kind of slot these teams in here right above them. I have the Huskies out of Seattle uh, who are off to a kind of rocky, not rocky start, but uh, just kind of hit and miss. They they split a series with Santa Clara to start the season uh, and then followed that up by winning the two games that were played against San Jose State. There was one that was rained out. Or I'm sorry, they took three out of four against San Jose State. Uh, and then just kind of a, while it is a sweep on the road, seven to six, three to two, and two to zero over San Jose State, I'd kind of like to see more out of that program for them to jump up to crack some of these top spots because uh, some performances at the top of the conference that really stood out. I'm fine and dandy with playing these these lower conference teams in these smaller colleges in the beginning of the season, but you should beat them accordingly um, if you're going to play them and find yourselves ranked higher in Pac-12 standings. Jumping up now into the top half of the pack, I'm going to go with Arizona State at the five spot. Um, a nice start to them, and they've also had a bit of a tricky schedule. They had to go down and play Mississippi State in Starkville, always a very difficult place to play. But they took two of three uh, with that uh, – no, I'm sorry. They swept San Diego State. At home to start the season, they beat UNLV, went down to Starkville, and won the first game, only 13-4, and then dropped a couple close ones on the way out. That last one got out of hand uh, with it being a 13-run loss. But uh, not a bad start for the Sun Devils. I expect to see them to turn it around. Putting up that performance against Mississippi State against their Friday starter is promising. Those last two games just show me they might not have as much depth um, on the rotation that some of those SEC schools might have. And now getting into the top four, and with one of the biggest surprises to me on the season, we're going to the Palouse to the Washington State Cougars. Um, This will be Oregon State's opening opponent for the Pac-12 season, and they're looking really good. They played some weaker opponents at the beginning of the season, but they handled it how they should. A seven-run win over Nova, 13s over uh, UC Riverside, 15 over Nova again. Their one lone blemish is a loss to UC Irvine, which is a talented baseball program. They then dispatched San Diego State 14-1 and beat UCSD, UC San Diego, uh, on their turf 3-2. Uh, they do play tonight. This is, I'm recording this Monday. They play tonight against UNLV, um, so it's going to be a determinant. On that, But right now, I think the Cougars look good. A couple Beavers are over there playing for the Cougs right now. Jake Harvey from a couple seasons ago is out there, as well as Greg Fuchs. Um, they're out there continuing their careers in college in the Palouse. So we'll welcome them back to Corvallis in a couple weeks as they come down to Corvallis to open up Pac-12 play. But I've got the Cougs right there at four, and a step right above them is going to be your Oregon State Beavers starting off six and one. I wanted to put them higher, with that record and with how they just dismantled their teams in the last five games, scoring double digits in all of them, but those top two teams have really kind of played a tougher schedule and had the results to to back it up. So the Biebs coming in at three, and then I'm going to go with Stanford at number two. A lot of publications in the country have this team at number two uh, in the country. I'm going to put them at number two in the Pac-12. Really, just that loss to Cal uh, is going to is going to hold them back below UCLA. That is their only blemish on the season. They've swept Rice. They swept Cal State. For, or they dropped their first game to Cal State, Fullerton. Uh, so there's those two blemishes on the record there. Uh, while not bad losses by any means, the loss that UCLA occurred to or uh, suffered to Vanderbilt just aren't quite as uh, much of a blemish in my eyes, which UCLA coming in at number one, in my Pac-12 power rankings, number 17 in the country. They had a clean sweep over Omaha, and they really dismantled them as they should. Uh, Pepperdine, they won by nine, and then a really close series with Vanderbilt. Uh, they lost game one, 6-0. They then won game two, 3-0, and lost game three, to 2-1, um, And what was a really exciting series down there on the road in Nashville um, at the Hawk. So that wraps up the Pac-12 power rankings right now ucla stanford oregon state washington state arizona state followed by washington cal oregon zona usc and utah at the bottom it's going to be a fun ride here through the pac-12 baseball season as this is just an early kind of showing of what we've got going on uh, let me know what you guys think on the power rankings and uh, i'm gonna wrap this one up here running a bit overtime. but i uh, just had all this pent up from not having an episode thursday thanks for coming back and joining me um Signing off for the day. I'll talk to you guys again Thursday. Uh, we'll recap. Uh, no, I'm sorry. The Beavs do not have a midweek game, um, so we'll just kind of get in preview a little bit more of the weekend series for basketball, and then certainly take a look at the four-game series against Cal Poly uh, on the turn. Alrighty, have a good rest of your Tuesday or whatever day it is that you're tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good one. Go